Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. If you have never read parts of the message by Eugene Peterson, it's a paraphrase of our scripture, and it's beautifully poetic and accessible language that tries to honor the original spirit of the text in the words that it uses. And if you find reading scripture difficult, you're not alone, and the message is a great place to dive in if, if that's you. So thank you um, for reading from that version, Pam. I'm going to ask you a question, and before I do, I want to um, take a bit of a time travel. Uh, I'm looking out here, and I know that I'm not the only person who was raised in the 90s, but I might be one of the only, but if you were raised in the 90s, you might have watched a TV channel called Nickelodeon. Did anybody watch Nickelodeon? Okay, yes, thank you, my 90s babies. There was a show on Nickelodeon that I just thought I would do a little recall to before we jump into our sermon this morning. And that show was called, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And it was kind of a campfire show. People gathered around a campfire, usually at camp, and they often told ghost stories. And I had horrible nightmares from it. But that's besides the point. The point is, I thought of this question and I could not show you this image. So welcome back to the 90s. And let's, uh, let's turn to our neighbors and have a conversation. This question you can take in many different directions. You might have a simple yes or no answer. You might want to explain yourself. There might be a different way that you've interpreted it. But I invite you to turn to someone who's around you and answer this question. Are you afraid of the dark? Go ahead and have a conversation. I welcome you back into into this worshipful space. There was lots of yeah buts when I was walking around. A couple of yeah buts. 
there was also some right-away no's and then some thoughts about actually now that I think about it I hope that that question is one that also rings in your ears perhaps along with our prayer refrain as you go about your week when I was when I was a little girl I didn't have a typical fear of the dark but I always left the door open a crack and it wasn't to illuminate the space it was in case I needed to call out for my parents because I used to have these nightmares when I was five and six and seven and eight about death and as the night closed in around me I would imagine I would imagine what it would be like to exist amongst nothing forever. And in the dark of the night, my little six-year-old brain would say the word forever and ever and ever and ever until I cried out for my parents. And my mom would come into the room and she would try and comfort me and she'd say things like, well, Andrea, do you remember before you were born? And I would shake my head, no, I don't remember. And she'd say, well, maybe it's kind of like that. And that wouldn't be so bad, would it? And we would talk and I'd hum and I'd haw and I'd cry and I'd talk and she'd talk and I'd listen and I'd argue and she'd talk and I'd listen. And the whole time, she just rested her hand on my back until I fell back asleep. This is my first memory of memento mori, remembering that I was mortal. And I equated it with the dark. I should warn you, Maybe I should have done this first. In the words of my favorite Instagram priest, this sermon is going to be a little hashtag goth for God. Okay. <laughs> Our scripture this morning from the message opens the Hebrew Bible with this sentence. First this. God created the heavens and earth all you see, all you don't see. The season of Lent begins this Wednesday in the church calendar, and on that day, we mark ourselves with the sign of the cross in ash on our forehead to symbolize to ourselves and to symbolize to those who might pass us out in the street in the day that it was from ash we came and to ash we return. And for some of us, this is a really necessary reminder. Life has been good and easy, and we have become complacent in our blessing of existence. For some of us, it's a place we really don't want to visit. Perhaps we've seen it enough. Perhaps we're fearful of it. Perhaps it's one we just know all too well. We don't want to go there. But we receive this marking 
And we either want to change everything, give everything up, or we want to fix everything, take everything on. We treat it like a start. But Lent is not the moment our story begins. Even the dust that marks us on Ash Wednesday isn't the beginning of our story. Our story doesn't start with God breathing life into the dust. That's what the name Adam means. It's Hebrew poetic wordplay, ha'adam. And it means earthy, ground, dusty, groundling of the ground. We often translate it to just mean man, Adam, man, Adam, of the ground. But our story begins even before that. Our story begins when God breathes love into existence. And as we find out so often with God, it doesn't actually look like we expect it to. First, this. God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. I was asked recently by one of you how I prepared myself for Lent. And in fact, I was told it would make a good sermon, but that was before they knew I was going to start with my childhood fear of death. <laughs> but the truth is, it looks different every year. I usually prepare for Lent by taking myself straight to the place that I really don't want to go. And this year... It was a book, a book called, wait for this, The Insurmountable Darkness of Love, Mysticism, Loss, and the Common Life. I think, and don't quote me on this, you'll have to Google it, but I think that image is called The Death of the Virgin by Caravaggio, maybe. Looks like William's got his phone out. William, you can Google that for me. I'll correct later. <laughs> and this book introduced me to a theology I had never heard of before. It introduced me to something the author, Douglas E. Christie, calls a theology of darkness. Fitting for a world at war. Fitting for a time when the policing of our bodies is so prevalent. Fitting for a place that knows oppression and genocide and polarization. A theology of darkness. We need that. God in the dark. This is an invitation to enter into the most ancient practice of them all. In technical terms, we might say this is an apophatic or a canotic theology. But that means this is a way of understanding God 
through emptying ourselves of everything that we think we know. All of the language, all of the ideas, all of the experiences, all that we have seen and heard and touched and felt. And instead, allowing the lack, the unknown, the void, the abyss, the mystery to enclose upon us until we are deafened by a silence that takes on new meaning. A silence from within which God emerges with immense sound. This practice of emptying or of entering the dark is the way of our desert mothers and fathers, we call them, those mystics who shaped so many of our spiritual practices. It is the way of the Lenten wilderness. And it's where God has beckoned me this season, so I'm sharing it with you in case you too feel like the inky blackness is something you are unfortunately quite familiar with right now. And this passage from Genesis, it gives us a lifeline, a lifeline as we swim beneath the surface of that watery abyss. First, this. God created the heavens and earth, all you see, all you cannot see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. God's spirit brooded like a bird over the inky nothingness. When was the last time you let yourself brood and called it holy, called it prayer? I was having a conversation with one of you just the other day, and as conversations so often do these days, we got to the topic of hope or a lack thereof. And instead of waxing poetic about all the places we were seeing the light, we just stayed there for a minute in the brooding. And I was reminded of something I just learned when our VST profs were here. Dean Mari Jorstad told us that the book of Lamentations in the Hebrew scriptures is classified in a section called the prophetic books. Lament as prophecy. Lament as something to come. And in a weird way that felt hopeful, kind of. Maybe our lament is hopeful. Maybe the darkness is exactly where the hope resides. And my coffee partner started telling me how she considers herself to be the nocturnal kind. And she, she said, in the dark, everything is more connected. And she painted a picture of how all the deep colors and the shades and the shapes blend into one another working together as a whole in the dark in a way that they maybe don't appear to 
in the vibrant light. The darkness, a kind of communion that we emerge from transformed. You know, when a bird sits upon its eggs waiting for them to hatch, we also call that brooding. A Lenten practice then, that maybe isn't giving up carbs, suggestion one, brood. First this, God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you can't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. And God's spirit brooded like a bird over the watery abyss. And God spoke light, and light appeared. God saw that the light was good and separated the light from the dark. Notice that this passage doesn't say God abolished the darkness but that God separated the light from it. Both the light and the darkness were left, and God was amongst them both. On Friday night here in this space, we gathered for our messy church Mardi Gras, and one of the rituals was to prepare the ashes for Ash Wednesday. We do that by burning the dry palms from last year's Palm Sunday. And I told this story of God breathing life into the dust as we each took turns taking one of these dry palms and putting it into the flames. And as we began, there was talking and laughter and curiosity and oohs and ahs when they unexpectedly went up faster than we thought and the light was bright and the flames were high. And as they flickered out into embers, things slowly got quiet as the ashes were left smoldering, things were still. And when we were left with just smoke, there was nothing. And it was such a holy moment in the dark. We associate the light with God. God said, let there be light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But the language that escapes us in the darkness, that bottomless emptiness, is the space where that light first came alive. It is what holds us and brings us forth. So, a Lenten practice that isn't giving up social media, suggestion two. Let the darkness in. And let it stay and contemplate from within it. First this, God created the heavens and the earth. All you see, all you can't see. And earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. And God's spirit brooded like a bird over the watery abyss. And God spoke light and light appeared. God saw that the light was good and separated the light from the dark. And God named the light day and named the dark night. It was evening and it was morning. Not only did God not abolish the darkness, God laid claim to it with a name. 
night. This Lent, we'll be picking up an old Hillhurst tradition and we'll be doing real theology. And that's where we look at the current nominations for Oscar movies and we see how they intertwine with our theology and with our scripture. But this year we're watching those movies through a particular lens. And that lens is one of belonging. When we name something, we assume an intimacy with that thing. We presume a relationship. We presume a knowing. The dark is not something we can escape. It visits us every 12 hours in the sky and it drops by unannounced when we least expect it on our front porch. But the dark does not need to be a stranger. In fact, it is one place where we can each and every one of us find belonging. So, a Lenten practice that isn't quitting complaining. Suggestion three, befriend the dark. The place I found myself approaching this Lent was one of mourning. And the kind where you wear black, not the kind where the sun comes up. <laughs> Mourning in my own life. Death in my own life. Death in this congregation. And a mourning here. Death in the world. A mourning for the world. Death has been prevalent as it always has been and as it always will be. And it is shocking and it is unexpected and it is violent and it is tiresome and it is long and it is laborious and it is beautiful and it is gruesome. And as I worked through this week, how to explain memento mori to children, I thought of the one place I really didn't want to be when I was one. The dark. And I wondered how we would hope differently if we weren't afraid of the dark. How would we act? How would we proclaim? How would we love? How would we live differently if we weren't afraid of the dark? And that's when I remembered my mom's hand on the back of my back in the middle of the night all those years ago and I think to myself of this thing named night. And I know that it is not nothing forever. It is love always and always and always. And perhaps there is no greater belonging than being wrapped in that soup of nothingness that bottomless emptiness, that inky blackness that we call the wilderness this time of year, that we call the desert, that we call the void, the abyss. With God brooding over us like a bird, knowing each of us and naming each of us good. Even there, especially there, in the dark.
May it be so. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.